Greetings, Hempster. Thanks for tuning in to another hemp episode of Hemp Aware Radio. If you have a hemp company and you need help making sales or fine-tuning your website or getting seen with masterful branding, graphic, and web design, then feel free to reach out to us on hempaware.com. My name is Tyler Hemp here, your hemp entrepreneurial host, here to empower and hemp educate your hemposphere as usual because hemp is important for food, shelter, clothing, energy, healing, plastics, fuel, and so much more. And on today's Hemp Educational Show, I have a very special guest and longtime colleague, Denny Finneran of Crucial Hemp. And Denny is what I like to call an original hempster. He has uh, been working with the cannabis plant and investing in entrepreneurial ventures for over 30 years. And he's a farmer, he's an educator, and he's distributed several different types of hemp goods over the years in uh, you know different markets and uh, worked with hemp fabrics and, and uh, hemp clothing lines and recently developing a cannabinoid CBD-based product line. And uh, he's actually one of the original founding members of the Hemp Industries Association and has been a part of this movement since before it was actually cool to be. And uh, he's traveled the world bringing hemp to communities and studying this plant like a true hempster. So in the spirit of supporting your hemptrepreneurial journey, I'm I'm delighted to introduce you to my buddy and longtime original hempster, Denny Finner, and welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, Tyler, thank you so much for having me on, buddy. Um, I'm so honored. I'm so honored to uh, to be able to be on your show and um, certainly humbled uh, uh, by your introduction and, and uh, you know, grateful to have uh, been able to dedicate my life to working with cannabis, uh, hemp specifically. So, uh, yeah, uh, really excited to be on the show, and, and um, y- yes, so, um, yeah, awesome. here we are. Well, tell me a, a little bit about, like, your your upbringing, your roots, like, where were you born, and, and then, in a hemp nutshell, kind of, what led you up to working with cannabis and, and the hemp plant? Certainly, yeah, so I was born in Chicago, Illinois, um, uh, Irish Roman Catholic parents, uh, and I uh, grew up there. Uh, my folks got too cold being there, so we moved down to Florida when I was about eight. And uh, I, I went through high school there, and uh, you know received a really good ed- education with a lot of love from two great, wonderful parents. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. Um, right. So yeah, really, really, Dama, yeah, Ma. Um, mother plant for humanity. Um, so uh, certainly, uh, you know, as a lot of people um, got into cannabis uh, recreationally, certainly in high school, um, and, and enjoyed, you know, smoking it. But you know, also had, like many um, high school kids, experimented with alcohol, and. Um, trying to put a comparison between the two and then seeing what alcohol would do to people and then seeing what how people reacted after smoking cannabis. There was, there was kind of a lot of confusion um, uh, as there would be. Why, why is this thing so stigmatized, so illegal and, you know, kind of demonized um, in, in culture, you know, up until very recent times. Uh, so, so it got got me wondering about it, and um, certainly down in in Miami, 
uh, was fortunate enough to be exposed to um, Caribbean Rastafarian culture and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how that was, uh, you know, the herb was important to, to those folks. And, um, and then kind of in my later, um, about 10, between 10th and 11th grade, I was introduced to the Grateful Dead um, and uh, really fell in love with, with that band and then the idea of touring and the community uh, around Deadheads. And um, being in that uh, space, you know, certainly uh, cannabis and psychedelics were kind of a part of the scene and sort of, sort of opened you know, open my eyes to different points of view and uh, certainly uh, international culture, um, you know, all the trends that were for sale in the parking lot came from different places. And I always admired the, the hippies that would travel around and, um, you know, bring those wares to, to the to the shows. But uh, all this is pre-reintroduction um, of hemp. Now, um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate in, uh, I think it was like 1990, uh, to be at a, uh, a marijuana legalization rally where, where uh, Jack Herrer had uh, – the the stage uh speaking and it was pretty small venue in tucson arizona i went to to college i left uh miami to be closer to places where the grateful dead would play actually that was kind of my criterion Mm -hmm. for finding a college and um so uh, I wasn't quite smart enough to get into Berkeley, um, being an out-of-state uh, B-average student. But uh, the University of Arizona did accept me. And um, so I kind of started a life in Arizona um, in between Grateful Dead tours. So I, I was a full-time deadhead. I, I got to see a lot of shows, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And he even dropped out of college to uh, pursue uh, a life of being a Head and uh, would travel to Guatemala and uh, buy little trinkets to sell in the parking lot. And um, you know, being in Arizona, I was close to the to the Mexican border, so I I learned Spanish. And um, you know, uh, that kind of became a big part of uh, uh, my identity was was you know, kind of being a Southwest guy and. Um, you know, speaking Spanish and knowing a lot about uh, Mexico and then uh, certainly indigenous peoples. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, anyways, uh, I, uh, of course, continued enjoying marijuana and then um, listening to Jack Harris speak. It was absolutely incredible to hear about why marijuana uh, mm-hmm. was illegal and it being um, industrial hemp. Uh, and the competition that hemp was uh, was um, complicating the petrochemical petrochemical all that um, and her, learning about the Hearsts and the lumber and the Duponts and the Dows and and nylons and whatnot and then certainly the 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 proof being the famous uh Hemp for Victory um mm-hmm. film. Now that that pretty much uh, that that pretty much, you know, when when Jack found uh 
that at the Library of Congress and uh, started making copies, and then that started getting uh, distributed and sold. Um, that that you know, there's the government uh, admitting uh, that that hemp had uh, had an important role to play in mm-hmm. um, you know, defeating the Axis powers, which was certainly um, biggest issue of the day uh, mm-hmm. in the 40s when that happened. So um, you know that you know that plus how you know intuitively I knew how cannabis uh, you know using it made me feel. I, you know, there's mm-hmm. denying that truth. Yeah. So the word cannabinoid, speaking of, you know, consuming cannabis and the active compounds being cannabinoids, the, the word cannabinoid, do you, are you familiar with the origin of it? Um, I, 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 if not, I can tell you. Yeah, something to do with the dog, exactly. Canna for canine. But yeah, so incidentally, you know, they discovered the cannabinoid system in our body after they discovered cannabinoids in plants, right? So so they knew what cannabis was, so then they discovered THC, so they knew what cannabinoids were before they knew that we had an endocannabinoid system. So the word endocannabinoid, which is our own internal you know, cannabinoids, was coined as a result of the word cannabis. And so the word canna comes from, you know, canine, um, but then bis is, is bi, like a binary system, or, um, you know, two, like bi. Two, um, yeah. But then cannabinoid, oid, comes from the Greek word oidos, or eidos, which means wisdom. So I see cannab- cannabinoids as wisdom molecules from the cannabis plant and within right. our own body. So anyway, a little fun fact on words. You know, I, I actually well, you know, love words. Yeah. You know who was uh, speaking wisdom? You know, was really smart back in the day. Uh, my good friend, even from Two Star Dog, if you go way mm-hmm. back, that, that was mm-hmm. one of the original um, kind of probably the highest fashion, huh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We all tried to emulate what stuff was doing. Um, she yeah. she was fantastic designer and made wonderful clothes. And uh, Two Star Dog was the name of their company in honor of of, of working with hemp. So um, yeah. shout out to Two Star Dog. Actually, exactly going way way back. Um, yeah, so, and apparently that stems from the the Dogon tribe in 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 I think it's East Africa or maybe West Africa. Um, that claims cannabis comes from the Sir- uh, Sirius uh, star system, and it's, which is a binary star system. It's you know two stars, and apparently you know, and then also Sirius, the star system, is in the um, constellation Canis Major. So it's, it's like the two dog plant from the two dog star, which is obviously they're honoring you know. Uh, two-star dog, but um, I didn't mean to cut off your story. So you were introduced to Jack in 1990. So that's when you went from being cannabis aware to being hemp aware. And you were like, wow, there's something here and there's deep roots. And you started diving into getting educated about that. Um, And then you you started different hemp companies. You've helped develop uh, hemp fabrics, but 
what would you say are, are two of the biggest highlights for you as, as being a hemp entrepreneur, like two of the biggest things that you've done in your life relating to okay. hemp or cannabis? Well, um, I, I was always intrigued by international travel and to understand that hemp was still being used in, in uh, other places in the world and they had never had a hemp prohibition. It was never seen as super connected to um, psychoactive cannabis just because it, it, the, 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 the cultivars that were being used in some of these places just never were. I actually got to travel to places in the world um to to experience this um i you know early on i went to some trade shows and in germany and um certainly the uh the um the cannabis cups in in amsterdam there was a kind of a hemp mm -hmm. uh section there in the early 90s and those were fun and i was i actually even won a a cannabis cup for my hemp boxers which was great mm -hmm. but uh there was the hunt rod in germany there was the hump, the the hump, uh, hump rod, the hemp parade. Hump, it's called hump parade. Oh, I I don't quite remember the hemp parade. I okay. wasn't part of that, but there was can okay. of business. There was right, can of business right. back in, in the nineties, and uh, certainly the Europeans had really nice, good sense. Um, there was a company called Hump House that was kind of yeah. the, the uh, really wonderful lead company with a lot of uh, good things. Mateus uh, Bro Bro Brokers, I can't remember exactly how to pronounce his name, but uh, he, he was a, a German uh, um, kind of an activist and entrepreneur and a good friend and uh, and just mm -hmm. seeing what people were doing with, with textiles. So back in the day, it was all mm -hmm. about textiles. There. I mean, you had uh, twine, uh, of course, was kind of always available. So there was always twine available. Uh, even in America, I guess, um, furniture manufacturers uh, to tie springs and whatnot would use would use hemp twine as something that it was kind of yeah. always around. Gardens, or, um, was, or even yeah, hippie shops. I remember in the 90s, head shops would have twine and stuff. Yeah, or like certainly, little hippie um, shops. Mm -hmm. Ecolution, Eric Steenstra, as you know, mm -hmm. was was uh, really connected to a, um, a Hungarian uh, Kenderfono, which was uh, the big um, twine kind of supplier, twine and rope supplier. Um, and uh, he helped uh, get that out with another company called American, uh, um, oh gosh, Mercantile, American Hemp Mercantile, something out of Washington. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, those guys actually were doing like at one point uh, when they reintroduced the hemp textiles, it wound up uh, getting so big, like you said, with the hippie shops and the girls and the, the beading and the necklaces and all that mm -hmm. and the crochets. They were doing like a container a month of of, right. of hemp, hemp twine. Um, yeah. But certainly like so, so the international thing is what really intrigued me. And, and I'd say mm -hmm. early on, one of the most profound uh, wonderful experiences uh, for me was being uh, invited on a um, a uh, ethno botanical uh, journey uh, through Yunnan province with uh, Robert Connell Clark, who uh, he in 1980 wrote a book called Marijuana Botany, but he was a part of the um, uh, International Hemp Association out in 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 the Netherlands and. Uh, and those guys were out there uh, getting hemp genetics 
to develop uh, many of the um, cultivars that are now being used in Sativex from, uh, what is it, um, uh, gosh, the, the, the company, and uh, I, I can't remember the name of it right now, um, the big one GM in, in uh, England, uh, uh, the pharmaceuticals, uh, help me, Sativex, it is Sativex. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> why, why can't I remember? It's such an important uh, uh, they were the first to go public mm. with something too. Uh, gosh darn it! Right. Oh man. Um, um, and Donnie Worse after was a big part of it too for a while. Right. Oh, it's, it's funny that we can't remember the name of this very I important know. thing. But anyways, back in the day, Robert Connell Clark was uh, was part of it, and and so he, um, along with uh, a brother named Michael Sullivan, who had relocated to. Um, I think his company was called Planet Hemp or something, or no, not Hemp, uh, People's Hemp, the People's Hemp. People's oh, yeah, Hemp yeah. China. Right. right. Uh, Michael Sutherland was actually uh, living in Kunming. And uh, so the three of us got together out there and we went on the most wild trip of the uh, southwestern Himalayas in Yunnan province on the border mm. of uh, Laos and, and Burma, way up uh, on the border of Tibet, in Yunnan, all in Yunnan province there. Wow. And got to experience um, hemp being grown in the most remote villages, and none of these people had ever heard of smoking weed. They, yeah. it was all—it was all about using survival hemp yeah. to really see hemp uh, where it was no joke. I mean, certainly we got our hands on textiles and whatnot, but it was—it seemed to always kind of have a, you know, kind of a culture, real American kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. But to, mm-hmm. even though the textiles were from China. Um, who never mm-hmm. stopped making textiles. Uh, right. Actually, most, mostly for funeral rites. Turns out that um, uh, hemp has been used in Asian cultures, Korea, Japan, and uh, certainly with the Han Chinese as part of uh, funeral textiles and shrouds and those kinds of things. So, well, you know, I, yeah, on that note, I don't mean to cut you off, but you're saying, um, you know, uh, like, so the word pajama in Chinese is pajima, or or what I should say is pajima in Chinese means hemp death robe because paji oh, is like pajamas and ma is hemp, so it's like your hemp death robe. Wow, pajima. Pajama. So when you go every night, you have a mini death, and you put your pajamas on. You're putting your hemp death robe on. Wow. So well, that's really well, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so some of those big fab, uh, factories in China that would, you know, use use the engulf the whole village and the whole towns, and mm-hmm. everybody'd be working in these Charles Dickens-esque uh, style um, factories. Uh, those kind of have been around for I don't know a better part of a hundred years, and and uh, guys were always you know aside from handmade. Uh, hemp, mm-hmm. hemp uh, that, that was kind of hemp for the masses, and that's where um, most of the early hemp came out of. Mostly, just one or two or three factories, and mm-hmm. um, and but that was, I think, the main reason for those guys to be in business. But uh, to actually mm-hmm. go out there and see hemp uh, being hand spun in the villages and um, being raised for the animals, and then uh, seeing that the hemp seeds were being eaten by you know old and sick people and given to mm-hmm. sick animals and wow. seeing the medicinal qualities of the hemp 
seed and actually seeing the different uh, uh, seeds bred out for, you know, consumption. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want to say those are some of the early seeds that later found their way into the Canadian um, breeding programs for the for the habitat that we that we enjoy today. So that mm -hmm. was going to be that that was in the um, late mid to late I think it was like ninety seven that I went out there. With, uh, oh, uh, oh, you went out ninety seven. Okay, yeah, yeah ninety eight right, because 90, when it became legal in Canada. Right. So we were doing some of that early. Leg kind work. of uh, yeah, strain hunting. I thought, right, getting out there. So before strain hunting became a thing, yeah. that was industrial right. hemp, uh, industrial right. hemp strain hunting. Although Andre, I would uh, like to point out that those are cultivars. <laughs> yeah, the varietals are cultivars, right? Right. So if we want to be botanically correct, uh, cultivar mm -hmm. collecting. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what we were doing, so, and um, that was an yeah. uh, was a big and amazing adventure. And and uh, since you mentioned two different things, um, yeah, the second was, biggest I was, highlight. I was right. At the second biggest highlight is going to be um, an opportunity that I had to consult for a company. Uh, that was uh, using um, one of the new licenses in, in, uh, in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe came online for uh, marijuana, but also uh, for hemp. So I was I was able to grow some some um, you know breast feeds over there, and, and uh, I did. We were also growing high THC cultivars, but uh, I brought some industrial hemp cultivars out there and got to work uh, on some acreage with that. And it was very challenging, challenging conditions, um, um, mostly socially <laughs> challenging mm -hmm. conditions. Uh, um, just uh, uh, this is kind of a big, long <laughs> story. Mm -hmm. but, uh, was but, that uh, CBD varieties, the industrial hemp? So you were going like medical or recreational cannabis, but then you were also growing industrial hemp cannabis. Was that That's CBD right. based? Yeah, okay. It, it was CBD based, and, and also we did grow a fiber variety. Uh, I brought some seeds from mm. from Larry, Larry Serban, I'm Traders. He, he kind mm -hmm. of hooked me up with uh, with some uh, with some seed that I wanted to take taking out there, mm -hmm. Chinese fiber seeds. And, uh, mm -hmm. oh, you know, they have some CBD content as well, but uh, mm -hmm. but uh, certainly it's the kind of more fiber uh, variety. And to, just to try to experiment in, um, you know, sub-Saharan, southern, southern Africa with uh, with these cultivars and, and different challenging conditions with, uh, with the site and, and uh, well, um, yeah, with the different light photo periods and whatnot that, uh, you know, we're not used to. So yeah. um, that, that was another one. And I'm going to throw What was your biggest there. takeaway from that whole experience? Like what, 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 you would, because uh, I, I, you, we, I had the privilege and honor of having a beautiful dinner with you um, not too long ago, and you went into detail. So, like, if you were to uh, share in a nutshell the, the biggest thing or like the most exciting thing about that, because I mean, just it sounds so romantic and exotic. Man, you got to go to Zimbabwe and grow hemp and cannabis. Like, what an amazing life experience. <laughs> Yeah, during the early days of COVID lockdown and a military dictatorship, right. was pretty far out. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty high adventure, and um, certainly working with, uh, uh, you know, 
people that had fought in a you know civil war against a kind of an apartheid regime and trying to patch up the mm-hmm. whole white and white and black thing and um, trying to trying to on my own outside of working with this company to develop uh, whatever small little social programs I could as an individual that that uh, uh, you know it's certainly a feel good thing I, I've always been. Um, as much as I could be as an individual, you know, I love people and um, certainly people, you know, trying to do my best to, you know, whenever I can to work with kind of uh, impoverished and suffering people, try to do what I can to put smiles on faces and mm-hmm. on whatever limited thing I could kind of, yeah. you know, just, just share the love as, as much as I could was probably the most profound part of it. Um, yeah. But, you know, certainly, certainly being able to be the cultivation director and, um, you know, uh, you know, at one point, I, you know, um, well, just be real about it, I was with the tribe of folks and, and uh, wound up being uh, kind of the only person uh, uh I'll just be real. I'm the only white person out there for about 40 miles, um, right. and trying and trying, you know, and certainly being the director of of the whole thing, and mm-hmm. um, uh, was was really special and challenging, and trying to learn how to integrate as much as I could with the tribe, and learn the language, mm-hmm. and learn some of the customs, and try to flow with it the best I could in in, in the midst of. Um, you know what? What, what the country has a very difficult history with apartheid, and to try to, mm-hmm. you know, try to try to represent love in in, in that space was mm-hmm. uh, was was very profound, and and I certainly yeah. learned a lot uh, about what to do and what not to do, and um, mm-hmm. uh, but then working with the plant, especially you know, with uh, trying to overcome challenges. Um, trying to find solutions in in a place where there was not a lot of resources, so you can't go to the hydro store or even the farmer supply. Yeah. You know, get, right. yeah, I mean, you can get you can get urea and and ammonium nitrate and some basic things, but to try to try to stick to my ideals of being earth friendly and natural and organic and um mm-hmm. and try to find my way to the chicken farms and you know actually find a bat cave and go in it and try wow. to collect collect uh, you know, high nitrogen bat manure and you wow. know, uh, uh you know collecting mulch out of other fields and spreading mulch and and anything we could do to uh to, to try to make this work and and to see uh, some success at the end of it was uh, was very gratifying and to do it all in a COVID mm-hmm. lockdown and, a, and right. again a military dictatorship where they literally yeah. were if you got if you got closer than six feet the military to any other individual the military was there with a long stick and they just uh, no no jury no court no nothing just a whap over the head with a stick you know so mm. uh, so got to got to deal with some very challenging challenging um, mm-hmm. things and and uh, i tell you you know people deal with all kinds of pests and there's the hemp that might and everything else but how many folks do you know actually had to fend off their crop from baboons you know yeah. guys would yeah. <laughs> hop the fence and start ripping your plants out of the ground wow um, so that was that was uh super challenging um mm-hmm. but again to overcome some of those challenges that 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 is going to be one of the most profound far out uh, cannabis adventures and adventures in general that I've ever had in my life. Uh, 
And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm great, grateful to God for that experience. And, and uh, no so yeah, the, the, those are going to be the two big ones for sure. Molds you and it shapes you, your perception, your your experience of, of this plant. And yeah, I mean, I, in fact, I just gave a presentation for Earth Day and it, it was called Hemp Pays for Peace, How to Make Everyday Earth Day. And you know, I feel like hemp is this vehicle for for literally paying for peace on Earth and and literally weaving a, a a fabric of life that is that is based on harmony with our ecosystems and and with nature and no longer having to go to war and and pillage and drill and destroy our environment in order to get the resources we need for our food, shelter, and clothing. And um, so it's tough when you see countries that are still, you know, taken over or at war and, and you, you know, you've got to work through that. And, um, but I think hemp is still a vehicle nonetheless for, for whatever's happening on the planet. And that uh, kind of leads me. Yeah. Did you want to comment fun on fact, that? Fun, yeah. Well, fun fact, uh, another use of hemp uh, uh, or cannabis uh, that's uh, kind of little known outside of Zimbabwe is, um, you know, uh, a big part of the faith-based system there, uh, people are super into witchcraft, right? And it turns out that uh, cannabis is is used to fight black magic and witchcrafts out there. So, um, so it's kind of seen as a as an antidote to spells and whatnot. So, uh, I got to kind of experience that firsthand out there interestingly enough and being the guy that that brings the cannabis to the village certainly um puts me in a favorable light with with a lot of yeah yeah, with a lot of folks you know it kind of yeah got my ego going a little bit but um anyways (laughs) well yeah it was it was was very profound so yeah yeah that's just another one of the many uh uses of of cannabis uh but i remember a very very wild story you told me about that we don't have to go into it now but that yeah that is um (laughs) very part of their their culture and that's awesome you got to experience that uh that level of it because i do see hemp as a as a spiritual vehicle. It's it's not just, and that's why we are companies called hemp aware. It's, it's the hemp is like the physical tangible tool for peace on earth, but it requires awareness. And what is awareness? Awareness is consciousness. It's, you know, kindredness, it's familiar familiarity. And, and um, so I feel like that's um, you know, essential is, is that spiritual side of things too, no, knowing that, that unity and connection. Um, but, you know, considering the world is getting destroyed and there's so many problems we're dealing with, with our environment, what, what do you feel, Denny, are, are some of the most important hemp products on the market today that people could be using that are going to help our overall you know, economy, but also ecology? Well, certainly hemp for building materials for, you know, um, carbon sequestration. Uh, you're seeing some especially in Europe, some big important buildings. Uh, uh, there's a equivalent to Walmart called Mark and Spencer's uh, out in out in England, and they've built their flagship store out of hemp. So it, it can be done on a, on a big, big scale um, using, using hemp for building materials to cut back on um, 
uh, you know, cement and, and other building materials, which to extract from the earth uh, certainly takes a lot of petrochemical resource. And um, as you probably and many listeners know, um, the biggest source of human pollution is housing and keeping, you know, building and keeping construction, houses, uh, construction as well as, uh, you know, keeping uh, homes uh, warm and cool. And the construction mm-hmm. part of it is, is bigger than automotive, bigger than any other source of pollution. Right. So to put hemp in the mix there is going to certainly cut foundation. down on that. And, and yeah, and, and um, you know, uh, years ago, there was a guy named Owen Circus who was part of the fashion uh, uh, Institute of Technology out in New York City. And he was kind of uh, an interesting, uh, he was a professor out there. And he said, you know, even if you're adding 2% of hemp into a textile, it's cutting back on the overall pollution, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, in the textile industry. But that goes that goes without saying for any other industry. So any amount of hemp that you can use in, in uh, uh, you know, certainly have a plant-based uh, a plant-based product that can sequester carbon depending on how it's being used. Uh, I think that's really important. One of the yeah. uh, years ago now, and I don't know where the what, what's happened with the research, um, but you and I were talking about this not long ago, um, to replace the rare earth graphene in, in, um, in battery uh, superconductor uh, super, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think super that's, capacitor. Yeah. Super, super capacitor. Yeah. I'm like kind of a lay person when it comes to all this high tech talk, but uh, yeah. from what I, from what I was to understand is the way that the hemp fiber on a molecular level is layered. It uh, can act as a storage for the electrons in, in batteries and replace a very expensive per gram substance that uh, requires uh, extensive uh, mining to do that with, uh, our fa- yeah, with our favorite plant, or I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but I okay. I know that it was research was being done. I think it was graphene, uh, mm. from what from right. what I remember, which is one of the not graphite right. like the pencil, but graphene. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly, I I should have you know, prepared a little bit more and been more knowledgeable about it. But uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, hemp um, with the research that's being done can replace some of these more expensive rare rare earth uh, minerals that are being used in batteries of course uh for mm-hmm. renewable resource uh, energy we need to have uh energy storage which is uh the battery uh is uh, you know when you look at some of these cars and every other thing it's the battery component in a solar system whatever mm-hmm. that winds up being one of the more expensive uh difficult parts of renewable energy so and toxic see, right and toxic, so I, I do see that uh, aspect of being able to use that if if it, it does come to Maybe. pass that the research is is uh, you know proven to be effective for for production. I see that being one of the more important things. Uh, for Absolutely. Them. Yeah. In fact, uh, when Dodie, my beloved hemp hempress, as I like to refer to her, we were out for a walk today, and, and the realization came to me that. You know, as a human, if we can simply master the three basic elements of life, which are earth, water, and then the third one, which is the third chakra. Earth is the first chakra. Water is the second chakra. And third is electricity. 
or energy or light or, shakti. or the sun. Shakti. Yeah, the shakti, shakti energy, exactly. So yeah, if we as human beings can can just get down those three basic elements of life and really, you know, own your own land, own your own soil, understand what the soil is. You know, in the Bible it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So it's the earth that becomes animated by the water. The water is like emotion and the, the energy in motion. And then the, the electricity is the third level. So it's like the electricity charges the water and, and you know, the, the minerals, the earth, dissolve into the water. Anyway, it, it, and it, this is what we are. We're made up of these things. And so hemp is, is just one of the, like an extension. Once, once you have the earth and the water and the electricity, then you can form life. You know, that, that's when the seed is formed. But anyway, I'm getting a little more esoteric than I might have planned. Well, well no, um, because, you know, you, energy, energy everywhere, shakti, shakti everywhere. We, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's out there. We certainly need it and use it. And um, mm-hmm. another interesting thing with hemp is um, uh, hemp being used uh, in a paralysis, like a gasification, um, to to produce methane, actually, mm-hmm. and methane to be used to burn to kind of spin the wheel, uh, so yeah. to speak, to, to, to produce electricity. Um, you know, with uh, hemp being an annual crop, you could uh, potentially enough hemp and of course you're just burning it but the way that it's burned in a gasifier and a gasification process it actually creates a carbon um, uh, biochar which is mm-hmm. a wonderful a wonderful substance for carbon sequestration and also just for plant nutrients so that yeah. kind of for comes so if you can use um, you know uh, all the highway dividers and and uh, right. all of the you know, wait, any kind of uh, ground that's uh, marginal, let's say, or uh, you could potentially be growing your electricity um, by using right. hemp and some of these, you know, yeah, so and gasification process. That is so amazing. So yeah, the, I, this is where the rubber really hits the road, and, and where this becomes an economic solution. And um, because then you know, get in. So so your kind of two things are number one, homes. Like that that is one of the most important things that hemp can solve, not only for the pollution of our environment, but also the building materials that are currently being used are are destroying our health. You know, people are dealing with sick building syndrome, mold out the wazoo, VOCs and toxic glues and just, you know, carpets and things that that collect, um, you know, these these toxic compounds. So that and then energy. Energy is everything. And and you you said it, you know, hemp as as a fuel source and energy source, those are two amazing solutions I think uh, that are, are crucial and appreciate you sharing that. Um, so I, I kind of want to shift gears unless you had another thought there. No, go ahead. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, you've seen this hemp industry evolve and, and grow. You were involved before it was cool um, in, you know, where it was still demonized and, and um, people didn't really understand it. How can you describe the hemp industry when you first got into it versus today, like how do you perceive well, it and what are some of the changes? 
actually, we were the coolest <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Jack was the coolest of all time. Oh, and sure. just, a, just a pleasure. Wonderful to be around. And, and I was honored to be able to work with him uh, to, to help bring awareness. Um, um, but uh, uh, so, so, yeah, back in the day, it was really, you know, the only thing you get your hands on was was these uh the you know twine and and textiles and uh you know interestingly mm-hmm. enough there was a there was a sterilized bird seed and i remember back in the day there was a guy out of santa cruz i think his name was evan he was making uh ice cream out of that stuff you know out of uh, sterilized mm-hmm. bird seeds you know uh and um back in the day there was also chili had some hemp seed oil way back but it was all mm-hmm. it would always come into the country rancid and you know we were yeah. just out there just just trying to do whatever we could to to mm-hmm. promote hemp using these real life products that we could get our hands on and um but that's mm-hmm. kind of all there was and we kind of you know use these products as tools to raise awareness kind of keep the fire alive for 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 hemp and for cannabis in general and uh so that you know it was pretty important um but uh certainly with the farm bill of 2014 uh that changed everything and you know we fought for that farm bill um you know the HIA was part of that and certainly uh vote hemp uh, uh the lobbying efforts of us being down in, in on the capitol for many years and and just kind of trying to try and trying to hold the torch well eventually we we did get the uh, the uh the, the the farm bill passed uh with the with the hemp 7606 uh a, a section on there that allowed for industrial mm-hmm. hemp and and once it actually was safe to um you know grow hemp and be around hemp uh that certainly changed the game and um uh let's say at that point it kind of allowed um more serious you know players of course canada had their thing going and we were able yeah. to get uh you know the hemp food and all that that was huge yeah. that kind of started started to change things with the hemp nut but of course it was um mm-hmm. it still had to be shelled and and still yeah. for being able to grow um yeah. but uh but once the once it started to pop off with the 2014 uh hemp um the farm bill you had a lot of new faces coming in to see uh what yeah. could be done and of course it was it was uh, cbd that that became yeah. the the thing Crazy. cannabidiol which was something that uh you know we kind of knew about but uh it wasn't so explored because it just wasn't a, a possibility uh according yeah, to it was federal, schedule federal one can, can cannabis yeah. laws right so right. so we couldn't really really do much about it um yeah. That certainly that that opened the door for it, and, and that just kind of blew the doors wide open for uh, a lot of folks to get in into it. And then you you know you kind of saw the culture of it shift from an activist point of view to really kind of a more uh, business entrepreneurial, uh, more yeah, let's say responsible uh, business yeah, uh, professional. Uh, um, yeah, more professional from from the you know, and and I do kind of miss the 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 days of the activism and the passion that was there, mm-hmm. and the passion now seems to be kind of more about how can we get this hemp to you know get me my new Lamborghini kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is okay, you know. I mean it. I I can't hate too much, uh, you know. Uh, in fact, that that is. Uh, 
that is what's going to ultimately drive it is successful business to be able yeah. to, uh, to, to help birth. And, you know, part of it is bittersweet because we did. And you can of, bring your heart into the business. You know, there's always going to be those out there that are in, in it just for the money. But, you know, if, even if people are just now getting into the industry, uh, you know, I work with folks that, that have such good hearts and they have really good intentions, but they want to make good money too. And there's, Nothing wrong with that. In fact, at Hemware, no, we say, not. yeah, we're here to make a difference and a dollar. Right. Because it's so that's, dollars that's, that make change. So that is a fundamental change that I've seen, and uh, and it's 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 probably about time, honestly, because mm-hmm. uh, certainly you know the human life goes on beyond us having fun and you know holding 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 the flame and. And uh, you know, sh- shouting in the you know Congress and whatnot, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, digging, digging up the lawns of the DEA and planting hemp yeah. seeds, and you know, Woody Harrelson way back when planting hemp mm-hmm. seeds, and in uh, Kentucky That's in the nineties, cool. and, yeah. and uh, yeah, you know, kind of like those, those acts uh, were of bravery and. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're certainly very profound, but, uh, you know, to see folks actually being able to, uh, generate, uh, income, uh, with hemp and, and, it's been, well, uh, yeah. I've seen that it's been mostly around cannabinoids, uh, this right. certainly CBD, um, but we are starting to see a little bit of traction with um you know text well, not so much text not so much textiles more building right and um yeah. but uh one thing that's kind of been sad to see you know if you really added up the whole world's cannabinoid needs uh, you know one big midwest farmer could do it honestly you know uh mm-hmm. it, it's not a lot of acreage when it comes down to how much cannabinoids one could produce per acre and yeah. you know, the need for for certainly our own country's needs i think it's mm-hmm. uh we, I, I i we did the math it's been a minute but probably a thousand acres is probably about all you'd really need and i was actually had the the pleasure to work with some farmers in um in eastern colorado near the kansas border uh we did 500 acres of hemp and um uh, you know, there's just so many people growing, growing such an amount of hemp that you saw the great cannabinoid hemp market just totally crash. And a mm-hmm. lot of speculative farmers, you know, that, that thought that they were mm-hmm. going to do really well, really, really crashed and burned. Uh, the farmers that I worked with were pretty smart and they're really big time guys mm-hmm. that do uh, 15,000 acres of crops. So for them, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, they learned a lot and um, mm-hmm. continue to play with, play with hemp a little bit. But on the scale yeah. of, of farming, I mean, they, that one farm could produce most of this whole country's needs of, for, for, yeah. for cannabinoids. So if you look at it like that, wow. it's uh, small, um, yeah. uh, the amount of space that you need. But for fiber, um, for uh, all the things that fiber could be added to, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, injection mold, plastic, all, all these kinds of things. Um, there hasn't Deeper. been the investment in the infrastructure that uh, one would hope to see, and I hope to see in my lifetime, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it is slowly, 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 slowly start, starting to catch on a little bit. But uh, 
Well, but, uh, in the spirit of entrepreneurship, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you want to no. finish that? No, thought? no, no. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, we're talking about, you know, the, the industry is building up and, and it is happening. There's more and more companies investing in, you know, like actually with our company, Bulk Hemp Warehouse, we just had a, a group order some of our degummed hemp fiber for um, the graphene, like you were saying. So there are companies oh, investing in this. And yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time before we see the big money invest in the machinery to uh, to develop some of these, um, you know, higher higher value products. Um, but my my curious question next, kind of going into the you know how how the markets have shifted, the industry has shifted, and it's now not so much on the passionate you know lobbying and educating and raising awareness per se, you know, legalizing hemp. And now it's about the entrepreneurial, you know, let's all let's all grow hemp and, and make products out of hemp so we can live healthier, happier lives. That's kind of the new theme. Um, what, what are some of the strategies that you've used as far as marketing some of your companies? I know you, you've done, you know, physical products. You, you've helped with consulting and farming and um, different different ways of, of running different businesses, but what are some of the techniques or strategies in marketing that you've done that you found it were you know helpful or successful? Well, you know, back in the day, going to the shows was was great. There used to be a forum when it was just textiles for um, uh, some of the big uh, the fashion boutique shows in New York City. We used to have kind of a an eco. Uh, section there, so that that kind of helped promote, um, you know, kind of trade organizations within trade shows to get the get the product out there. Um, that that that's kind of one thing that I did see work. Um, I'm kind of old school, so just to kind of be out there um, uh, offering the product site you know, seen and so people could see and feel and, and touch it. This kind of always been my approach, but I guess, uh, uh, you know, of course with the internet, uh, uh, you know, being, uh, clever there and having, uh, uh, somebody that knows what they're doing there to, to try to, uh, get it out there, uh, seems to be kind of the way all businesses, uh, are happening. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, but even that's word of mouth life. today is super crucial. You know, you're, you're, uh, going to events, live in-person stuff, you know, word of mouth. That's, that's like one of the most powerful forms of marketing for sure. Yeah. There was never a day. I think I, I committed to, uh, decades of every day I had to have some article. Of course I made it of clothing. Um, you know, I had my own shop where I was making my own clothes for many, many years. And so I would always wear a crucial hemp garment. And, and it was, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it was like a broken record everywhere I went. It was like, all I could do was, was talk mm-hmm. about how I'm wearing, wearing hemp. And of course, you know, it was like, well, can you smoke it? And can you smoke it? And all that was, it was one of the old kind of gags that mm-hmm. everybody used to have. And, Turned out one of the biggest uses for hemp that I knew about was uh, from hemp hemp flax company out in the Netherlands, um, Ben Dronkers and the and the mm-hmm. Dronkers family of, of Sunsea Seeds. Turns out uh, they had one of the biggest they still have one of the biggest decortication plants in the world, and mm-hmm. the main use of 
their hemp was for uh, selling to mainstream cigarette uh, company, cigarette paper companies. So mm-hmm. indeed, smoking it was the main use for it. Mm-hmm. Actually, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Enough, but uh, although, but yeah, so, still, <laughs> yeah, to, to go to the shows, uh, to get it out there yeah. was certainly the most endearing uh, thing to me to just to get it in people's hands and and to to try to go to venues that you know were outside of. Um, activism and you know alternative cultures to try to reach uh, mainstream crowds one of the things that crucial hemp did early on was uh, uh i tried to design something that i thought that nancy reagan would enjoy to wear you know just like, you know, <laughs> like just uh, just something really straight you know and not a big potato yeah. sack <laughs> right so that was one of the early things that I tried to do was was uh, have like a kind of a smart three-piece suit. Um, yeah, I always in, and... was inspired by your attire. You know, it made me invest in custom tailored hemp outfits, which I, you know, wear now. It's, it's, it's uh, just like, it makes you feel so good. And that I always seeing you wear white too, because that was a big part of my spiritual <laughs> practice, you know, like wearing white or bright colors. And uh, that always inspired me seeing you at shows. So yeah, um, early on, early on, I managed yeah. to get a suit in, in the hands of uh, legislative folks. It was a guy named Fred mm-hmm. Maslach way back in the day, who was a state representative uh, uh, in in Vermont, which was one of the first to kind of adopt rules uh, um, for for hemp, um, you know, legal, legalizing hemp, uh, um, being prepared for the federal. Uh, on a state level, state by state was how we used to do it. But uh, I was mm-hmm. really proud of uh, NPR doing a segment on it, and they they mentioned my hemp suit mm-hmm. on, on that. So I was kind of mm-hmm. got you know raised some awareness there. And, uh, oh yeah. So yeah, just, just again, you know, just trying what you can do to just not uh, quit uh, uh, and 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 staying with it and. And trying yeah. to uh, provide an example that people can see, feel, and touch is is, is mm-hmm. what makes the difference, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and all of the uh, demonization over the last, you know, eight nine decades of of cannabis being demonized, hemp being demonized, it, it's kind of in our subconscious and in our psyche, and so by giving a new perspective or associating hemp in a way that is like almost like I don't know if this is the right word but a juxtaposition where it's like hemp is typically associated with you know dirty hippie but when you come showing up in a three-piece suit it's like wait a minute this this really gets you to think yeah. differently so it is right. very powerful <laughs> one of my early one of my early products was baby jumpers. So for little cute little babies, nice. I used to dress them up in hemp. So yeah. uh, that goes way back, ones little onesies and stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of our listeners are hemp entrepreneurs, company owners, and maybe they're just getting started with a company. Some of them are longtime hempsters. But if if you were to give some advice to someone starting a, a new hemp company, what advice would you want to share with them to help them? avoid some of the pains or, or mistakes that you've made and, and, um, you know, help them on the path. 
Well, number one, and I guess that's be true for any business, would be um, know your market and have an idea of of, of uh, who you're going to sell this stuff to. Um, so if you if you can master that first and foremost, to have a plan, figure out who your buyer is, um, mm-hmm. that's probably the single most important thing, and I guess most business, you know. So try to have mm-hmm. an idea of who's going to buy it, uh, so that. Uh, investment uh you know that spent can be recovered uh quickly yeah. and turned back around into into it i would say that would be the number one the number one thing and um you know be be prudent about how you you spend your um you know your principal your money when you when you first mm-hmm. get going um just uh um uh you know it was nice to go to the, all those trade shows and whatnot but but when the when the when the booths are so extremely expensive and then some of the early magazines that came out uh, there was one magazine that was a high times thing and gosh i I forget hemp planet i, I can't remember uh, what was the name of their shop but uh uh anyways it was a hemp magazine and and they were always trying to get you to put a you know full page uh you know color all color and or a couple pages and you know we you know it's like every month we trying to pretend like we're vogue and l and next thing you know you you know you spent a you know a big part of your budget on on you know high gloss advertising which is something that uh it's kind of a mistake i think that i made early on and maybe there's mm-hmm. more um interesting ways to you know reach your market um but you know find out who who your customer is and and uh you know those you know, are two really crucial insights i mean that that's knowing your target market like you said you know because a lot of people start a business and they make a product and, and you ask them so who's your who's your customer oh everybody no yeah. that's not the answer it, if if you market to everybody you market to nobody and right. a lot of my marketing teachers and, and you know books that I've read, you know, courses I've taken on marketing and target marketing, the more niched you can be, the the more success you're likely to experience. Because the more you know your customer, the more you understand their pain points, their problems, and how your product solves their problems, and telling that in a, you know, really engaging story, you, you, you can you know, make a huge difference, but sell your product. So that those, that was crucial. And then um, number two, I think is a huge thing too, which I have followed for many, many years, which is try to find as much free marketing as you can. Don't go spend a bunch of money on advertising until you know that your, your product works until, you know, you know, people are uh, experiencing benefits and, you know, you've got your sales funnel kind of dialed in and there's a lot of organic, um, marketing methods out there these days that that um, are kind of essential because advertising is a huge uh, you know um, what am I trying to say hemp is banned on a lot of advertising networks cannabis and hemp so it's like you you got to get creative and come up with ways that are are free in the first place but once you can prove you can get sales by doing uh, free marketing then I think it's important to invest in, in paid so I'm totally on the, same page with you there yeah don't don't feel super pressured into having to you know uh, feel like you're versace or something where you need to you know absolutely every month you know have or l you know it's just uh 
uh, or the equi- uh, the humble equivalent in our own industry. Just just be careful mm-hmm. falling into that trap. I'd say you know, um, exactly. you know until you really until you really can or do have the market, which is kind of a stretch. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your product line. You've you've uh, you've got Crucial Hemp still CrucialHemp.com where you've got some of your cannabinoid CBD based products. Tell us a little bit about those or how people can learn more about what you're offering these days. Certainly, um, you know, it's uh, uh, one thing that kind of sets us apart from most companies. There are some other companies doing it. Um, I, I've always uh, embraced um, natural lifestyle. I'm, I'm a vegetarian person. I eat all natural foods. Uh, so, uh, one thing I saw folks doing with uh, extracting cannabinoids is, is using kind of solvents and kind of harsher solvents. And then, um, you know, some of these kind of fancy CBD rigs and whatever, all this kind of, you know, heavy duty um, stuff. Uh, I kind of uh, realized early on um, that, uh, you know, cannabinoids are, easily extracted from the plant with any kind of oils or lipid. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've taken my company in the direction of the most natural processing of all, which is just soaking your flowers in oil. It's as simple as that. And, um, you know, what kind of oil? Candy. I like to use actually hemp seed oil. Now I've heard a little Lovely. bit of um, controversy about that like it might not be the most efficient to extract with but uh, mm-hmm. certainly from my testing it gets uh, everything I need out of it and, yeah. and then you also get the benefit of, of uh, the EFAs and the yeah the uh, yeah, exactly the amino acids and the mm-hmm. um, yeah the, the, the B6s and the B3s and uh, all the all the different uh, components that the hemp seed oil provides and also i use uh, extra virgin extra virgin um, coconut oil which is another very healing Mm -hmm. oil and plant Uh, so for some of my products Mm -hmm. i have that um so that's uh that's kind of what i've committed to is not even using uh, uh alcohol to extract so i'm just using the oils which can limit you as far as your um level of cannabinoid. So I'm not trying to have 5,000 milligrams of CBD in a tincture. I personally mm-hmm. do feel like as important as cannabidiol is CBD, um, there's 400 chemical compounds in, that we know of in this plant and many more that we don't know of. That, wow. um, and I like the idea of gently trying to extract with this mm-hmm. oil so that um, the synergy of all of these uh, compounds can be enhanced um, by the the existence of them by not uh, isolating chemical compounds through, you know, uh, short path distillations and, the, and those kinds of things, which, you know, one of the, one of the things I really didn't fall in love with right away was, with CBD isolate, I felt like, yeah. uh, geez, I think we're we're missing out on a lot of the benefits. I mean, we fought so hard for, uh, you know, hemp to be able to be used. That why why aren't we trying to use all, all of everything that's legal and available? Yeah. 
and uh, as much as possible, just knowing instinctively and intuitively that mm-hmm. the closer to the earth um, what the plant is giving us uh, that we can get, the better off we're going to be for yeah. you know human human health in general. So that's the closer that's to the raw what, state. And there there are some other companies. Right. There mm-hmm. are some other companies that are doing it well, um, but mm-hmm. that's one thing that uh, Crucial Hemp commits to. And it's funny totally. because that's kind of my company, uh, Crucial Creations, Crucial Hemp, always only had 100% hemp textiles. I never mixed up with, mm-hmm. we used to call it potten. We used to call it potten. Uh, nice. <laughs> hemp mixed with cotton. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, right. potten. Uh, so we, I was always a hundred percent hemp guy. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the HIA goes, I, I was a charter member. I helped to form the HIA and the HIA was, mm-hmm. was formed in the early days as a industries association to help, um, promote, uh, true hemp. Uh, in the early days, there was a lot of folks that saw hemp getting popular and, like the hippie shops and some of the shops and whatnot, and they, and uh, cheaper um, textiles were being made out of nettles and some of these other plants in Asia, and they looked a lot like the kind of rougher um, uh, hemp textiles back in the day, and they were selling them mm-hmm. as hemp, and so that's the reason the Hemp Industries Association mm-hmm. uh, got founded, and I became the director of of testing the products, and we had a a true hemp occasion. Uh, so I was involved in the early days of certifying uh, hemp. So were you uh, for able being to actually take, hemp? That's yeah. That's I remember that about you, and that, that's super cool. And on that point, are, were you like able to take a, a product? Like let's say you you found someone that said you know they were selling a hemp bag made out of hemp canvas. Were you able to like take those fibers and send them to a lab, or how would you yeah, how would you discover? We, we were, yeah. Exactly. I think it was uh, Chromos. Uh, what's the the name? Spec spectrometry or whatever it was. A uh, gas chromatography mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we would send our samples to the uh, Fashion Institute of Technology, and those guys mm-hmm. would break it down there for us. And they would send us, you know, photos of uh, microscopic images of the of it, and then they would do the uh, chemical testing. And uh, mm-hmm. it was so exciting to to see that these products would come back as 100% cannabis sativa, you know, just see the words cannabis sativa in those mm-hmm. days uh, come coming back scientifically from the fashion yeah. institute, you know, uh, wow. was was, uh, was pretty, pretty exciting. But yeah, that's where we did our testing was fashion institute technology in Manhattan. Very cool. And back then, like you were saying, cannabinoid CBD wasn't even, even, it wasn't even a thing. It was like, um, which, you know, nowadays the HIA, a lot of their conversations and events and uh, they were saturated with cannabinoid and CBD companies. Uh, but now we're finding that the we're going to swing back the other way and go back into seed and fiber um, where it all began. So that's that's going to be, I think, you know, a whole new wave of, of revolutionary companies creating phenomenal hemp products, whether it's plastic that's right. or it's energy and, and building i'm finding like I, I you know do research all the time on who i can bring on hemp aware radio and i i can tell you there's more and more hemp building companies popping up consultants and construction companies and 
that are uh, really wanting to build with hemp, and that just excites me to the bone. I love it. Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, certainly interesting to see. Um, you know, England was on the forefront of that, and uh, oh gosh, I forget the guy's name. Um, Eastern European brother. Um, oh man. Um, anyways, uh, the Lime Technologies. I, I forget their name. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy's name. Gosh darn it. Um, super cool. That 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 uh, you know, being the the forefront and the, the early guys doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Now uh, now seeing that uh, uh, it's kind of becoming a thing. Have you heard of this company in Portland that is actually getting? Um, I think they can even do it now with non-decorticated hemp. Uh, mm-hmm. so they can just kind of chop up the uh, the plants, uh, probably in a hammer mill or something, and mix it with cement. I, I don't know if you've heard of that yet, uh, but uh, you know, it, it used to be from hemp herds that you would mix in with the lime uh, way back in the day. And of course, there was Iso Chambre, which was a French company mm-hmm. going way, way back. Uh, that was mm-hmm. one of the first uh, to to really do it, uh, and yep. uh, and so the, the, uh, to see now that it's kind of advancing, and and to hear that uh, a lot of the CBD uh, uh, byproducts, uh, the crops and the stocks from that are actually getting just hammer milled up and mixed in with cement, uh, which is, or lime or cement, I think actually. Yeah, yeah I think there's a company lime, in Portland yeah. that's doing doing that, and. Uh, so wow. that's that's certainly pretty pretty interesting because the decortication process is is um, is quite uh, involved. Um, yeah, I had the I had the pleasure to again to, to go to the hemp flax facility and and out of Pecos. I mean that thing is massive. We're talking acres mm-hmm. under a roof and huge machines. And, wow. um, and for you know millions and millions and millions invested, and for years and years and years, I think last year um, was the first year that hemp uh, flax actually turned a profit. If I'm not mistaken, somebody can no correct me if I'm wrong. But but finally, um, after everything that Ben and and the drunk family, Alan and Ravi, have done for years and years. Uh, uh, Mark Renders over there, Renders. Those guys uh, have just put their hearts and souls into that thing since the 90s. I remember the early 90s, mid 90s. Those guys we'll have, have to reach out to it. them. And, Maybe they'll come on the show. Yeah, to check in with Alan. Uh, I think Ben's uh, living pretty cozy in the Malaysia these days. Right. Um, but but certain but certainly uh, you know having put all that together. Um, you know, was, I was actually one of the first guys to bring those products into America just so that people, mm-hmm. again, could see, feel, and touch hemp herds and hemp fibers. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, they had the hemp parada for the animal bedding. Um, but that mm-hmm. is the, the hemp herds, the decorticated cellulose from the inside of the stalk of the hemp plant was the main ingredient for the for the building materials and i and i guess that mm-hmm. that is changing a little bit now where people are discovering that you know you don't necessarily have to decorticate but i could be wrong hmm. again there too I, I'm, um, I'm not yeah, sure yeah i've had a few can... builders in the last uh few months and they they kind of all agree that it, it is good to have more herd, uh, not too much bast. It's okay if there's a little bit, maybe one, two, three percent at the very most. Okay. But my understanding is um, 
the way the cellulosic structure of the herd kind of um, you know binds with the lime, whereas the um, the bast fiber doesn't really have I guess as much binding capability because it has the lignin. So I don't know. Okay. It's, um, yeah, we're we're gonna learn more as we as we move forward. And the U.S. Hemp Building Association, USHB.org, is doing some really great legwork there and and um, raising awareness and working on building codes and everything. But it's been super fun having you, Danny. I'm so thankful for the conversation. And if um, you have any last thoughts or wherever people can find you, if you're still doing consulting on farms these days, how can people reach you there? Or just go to the website or share your info? Yeah, cer- certainly um, uh, crucialhemp.com. I'm, I'm available there. Uh, so if you want to leave a comment there, uh, crucialhemp.com. Dot com is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, that's cool. that's going to be that's going to be the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, so right uh, yeah, and uh, certainly I'd you know love to be involved in in any any kind of uh, consulting project for for farming. There are some tricks, and and certainly uh, uh, I'm uh, I will travel. <laughs> I, I, I love mm-hmm. the adventures. I I think it's important for the the whole world to, to be involved on whatever level they can, if it's appropriate. Um, you know, I'm, uh, we're learning, I've learned a lot about, uh, you know, what it's, what it's like to grow, uh, in different climates. And, um, so, uh, you know, look forward to other countries coming online. I think Mexico is going to be coming up here pretty soon. And I would love to be involved mm-hmm. in, uh, bringing hemp to Mexico, um, I actually worked on a candy bar project down there, so mm. we'll see if I can keep keep that going on. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there, there's just a number of opportunities in the world that uh, uh, certainly, if you know, I'm all I'm also open source, so mm-hmm. leave a message for me, and and uh, I, I'll chat about it all day long and what I know. I'll usually uh, you know freely kind of give advice there um whatever i know i'll spend a lot of time with anybody on the phone that is truly coming from a hard space that that wants to work hemp and use hemp mm-hmm. to help improve uh you know human evolution so that's what it's all about is evolving as humans we're, we're only here for a short time but uh, certainly what we know about the plant is it has been with uh, humans for thousands and thousands if not tens of thousands of years and so to have played a small part in the reintroduction of uh, hemp in modern times again a very small part um, has just been uh, meant the world to me and uh, if there's anything I could mm-hmm. do to help uh, continue to introduce it to people I'd, I'd, I'd love that opportunity right on. You want well, they, do you want me to yeah. do you want me to go to war torn Africa and grow it for you though <laughs> That's gonna cost you. That's gonna cost you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you've been there, and if, you treat, and if you treat people wrong, it might cost you your company. Yeah, exactly. Money, right? Anyways, <laughs> so well, yeah. it's just an That's honor right. and a, a privilege to have a friend and a colleague and uh, a fellow hempster. You definitely um, inspire others and and have done some monumental things to bring hemp to the planet. So I thank you for your your kindred spirit and kind work and really look forward to making it happen into the future with you so yeah thanks everyone it's, it's for been, in. 
All right. Well, it's been a real blessing, and keep up with your enthusiasm, uh, Tyler. Love you a lot, brother. My pleasure. If you have a hemp company but you need help making sales or fine-tuning your hemp website or getting seen with masterful branding, graphic, and web design, feel free to reach out to us on hempaware.com. Or you can send us an email if you're looking for a new idea or a new topic you want us to cover. Just send that over to support at hempaware.com. This is your hemp entrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp. Let's make it hempin'. See you, everyone.